good to see you. Um, what an adventure week, right? <laughs> this was awesome. Uh, since most of my time here in Reading was when I was just a little critter, and uh, then we would come back in the scorching summers, I had this nagging question, and here's the question. Well, does it ever really snow in Reading? <laughs> well, I guess God dynamically said, let me answer that question, Andrew. Now, I know it's abnormal this week, but um, I think we can... <laughs> Not as much as Anderson, I heard. But uh, I will say we could blame it on Ralph Herrick. Uh, he said he prayed last week, God, would you please make Andrew and Hannah feel at home this week? <laughs> so it's his fault. If he prays that this next week, we got a problem. So at any rate, um, I hope you had a great week. I want to tell you, Hannah and I had an absolutely blessed week. We loved being with you all. Uh, spending time with different groups, the elder team, just God has knit our hearts in such a special way to these godly men, uh, the, the deacon team, the staff, uh, we've met with the committee, um, they kept us here till ungodly hours one night, but we absolutely loved it, uh, just getting to know their hearts and their passions, and um, meeting with the men's group and the ladies group. You all have been such a special blessing to Hannah and I. And so from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you. Uh, You've made us feel very welcome. Um, And I am excited this morning to get into God's Word again. It's hard to believe it's already been a week since we were last in God's Word together. But I want to invite all of you here this morning to turn to Psalm 23, a very familiar text of Scripture. And then if you would prepare to turn over to John 10, we're going to end up in that passage in just a little bit. But as I was talking with the elder team and praying with them, uh, what a a discerning group of men to suggest this topic and this passage today, and I'm absolutely stoked to to jump into this study. We'll start off with a a quick question and a quick phrase. Uh, A lot of parents here, a lot of grandparents here, a lot of babysitters here. I love it. Uh, I know a lot of times, well, at any rate, there's a phrase that all of us use at some point. Maybe some of you use this three or four times this morning. Don't worry. Trust me. I've got you. All right, especially the little ones. How many of you ever use that phrase? Don't worry. I've got you. Okay, so we've got, our youngest critter is just over a year. And she is learning to walk. Uh, We've been on the road quite a bit this last year. And so she's just over a year old. And she's just figuring out this walk thing. Um, And she grabs my hands. And we... She kind of toddles around, and I kind of walk her around, and every once in a while she looks up at me and is like, Dad, are you for real? <laughs> Dad, really? And she takes a couple more steps and a couple more steps, and she's holding on with all she's got. And I'm going to tell you, I look down at this precious little girl, and I say, Emma, don't worry. Daddy's got you. I've got you. She thinks she's got me, but guess what? I've got her. Um, Our fourth child, she's our third daughter, our fourth child uh, is, is, uh, by God's grace, you'll meet her soon. She cannot wait to meet you folks and talk your ears off. Uh, This child of ours loves chatting, talking. Um, And so she's got 3,000 grandparents, and it's phenomenal. She loves it. But this little girl, we had... um, 
time with her. We've, four of our five children we've taught to swim so far. So uh, this last fall, we were at the pool, and she's learning and working through this and really starting to grab it, but she's really nervous in the water, as probably most of your kids were when they were starting to learn to swim. And so I'm guiding her through the water, and she's constantly grabbing my shoulder, grabbing my arm, grabbing my hair, my ears, whatever she can grab. And I constantly found myself in the water saying, Eva, relax. Don't worry. Trust Daddy. I've got you. Trust me. I've got you. So I want us to take that mindset and travel right into the topic at hand this morning. The Great Shepherd. There's a theme that travels all the way through the scriptures, and you can find this theme through several different metaphors, especially this one, the great shepherd. Where almost as you read this chapter, you can preface the whole chapter with, don't worry, trust me, I've got you. So we're going to take that into a couple familiar passages this morning, especially Psalm 23, and we're going to look at this key idea give this a shot. There we are right there. Whoop. Here's the key idea for the morning. If you would kind of, with me, let's, let's try to wrap our minds around this key idea. God's people must wholeheartedly trust the complete care of their great shepherd. All right, so that's going to drive all of the points to be made this morning is this key idea. Not a very complex key idea, but a very appropriate key idea. God's people must wholeheartedly trust the complete care of their great shepherd. So let's unpack that, realizing that that Bible you hold in your hands talks often of this sheep and shepherd metaphor. It travels all the way through. Um, We're not going to go through historically and just prove all of this, but I will give you a cool little fact If you think about all of the major covenants that God gave with his people, we're talking about the Abrahamic covenant, we're talking about the Mosaic covenant, we're talking about the Davidic covenant, those three primary covenants in the Old Testament, do you realize that every single of these forerunners, these foremost people in these covenants were shepherds? God knew exactly what he was doing. These shepherds, I mean, were committed to God's people. When I think of this position in the scripture, this was not an occupation that held prestige. It was not an overly admired position, this position of shepherd. In fact, around the time of Christ's birth, this was the opposite of prestigious. Oh, you're kind of working yourself down in this, this caste, sort of caste system, maybe an unwritten one, but you're out in the fields with the sheep. It was sort of a, a lowly a lowly occupation. And I think it's beautiful because this is exactly the picture that God wants us to pick up when it comes to his relationship with us. Is this picture of this, this shepherd, sheep. Constantly he's talking about this. So what we're going to do today is take some time. It is not a complex sermon. But I want us to take our Bibles and realize it's a story. A lot of times we like to pull out passages and just kind of focus on this. And we realize that we don't realize that this is a story from front to end. God is unfolding a miraculous story of redemption for his people. And in this story, we find in the Old Testament a beautiful description of a great shepherd. The best description ever is found in the passage that's on your lap right now, Psalm 23. But we're not going to leave it there. 
Because in the Old Testament, there's also this great anticipation for the great shepherd. We're talking about a tangible, physical presence of a shepherd. So when we walk through this today, we're going to see how some of the prophets talk of this great shepherd. Primarily Isaiah and Ezekiel. And then we're going to finish up today in John 10 and other New Testament passages where we see the actual presentation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. So if you're ready, for, ready to go with me, let's travel to this Old Testament description of the great shepherd. And we're just going to simply read one of my favorite passages, and probably yours as well, uh, Psalm 23, starting with verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Let me try to advance this, sorry. There it is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, well, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're not going to spend a ton of time in this, like digging into this this morning. But I want us to sh- see quickly that there is a couple primary themes in this chapter. Psalm 23, the great 100, or great Psalm 23. Here it is. First of all, God graciously provides for his sheep. This theme travels through the scriptures. How do we find that? Well, verse 1 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is providing my need. We can skip down even to verse 5. You prepare a table. In other words, you are a benevolent host to me. The shepherd takes care of the sheep. Verse 5 again, you anoint my head with oil. This is talking about honor and even as you, as you look at some of that context, healing. And I want to talk of that in a way of spiritual healing. What God does in our lives, the, the shepherd of the sheep causes his children to be healed. I love that. My cup runneth over. My cup runs over. This is talking about the generous blessings of the shepherd. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What do we find here? That God is pursuing his sheep with blessings. He's providing for them. So the first theme that we'll see in this passage, which I'm going to just give you a heads up, we're going to see these same things come alive in the life of Jesus Christ, his ministry. So the first theme we see is that the shepherd graciously provides for his sheep. What's another theme? Here it is. Not only does he graciously provide for his sheep, he lovingly guides his sheep. Look in this passage with me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You say, man, what do you mean he guides you? Well, in our minds automatically we think of what when it comes to that? This is what's the picture in our mind, right? We're talking about like ankle to maybe knee-high alfalfa grass that you just can kind of roll around in and be like, yes. 
Well, I'm going to say that is not the picture of the Old Testament culture. When we think of Old Testament, and even Israel to this day, many of you have traveled to Israel, this is not the picture. What's the picture? This. I mean, you can see a couple sheep scattered up there, but there's rocks ever, everywhere. It's a very arid, dry community and culture. The topography there is rocks everywhere. But as you travel up into these, into these rock fields, you see little tufts of grass right along the base of the, of the rocks. It's beautiful. And so what is the shepherd doing? He's guiding his sheep from one tuft of grass to the next, to the next, to the next. What's the point? The point is our great shepherd knows exactly what we need today. He's not giving us a full field of grass that we can, we can rest in for a year and a half from now. He's given us exactly what we need today. And in that it says his sheep lie down in green pastures. This in that culture is the green pasture. And somehow the shepherd leads his sheep so skillfully in this arid culture that they have enough food where they can now rest in satisfaction. I'm going to tell you, this is a huge theme to the scriptures, that the God, the great shepherd, not only graciously provides for his sheep, he lovingly guides his sheep. How else does he say he lovingly guides his sheep? Well, he leads them beside still waters. This isn't stagnant water, and this isn't raging water. This is still water. This is water that's not going to overwhelm the sheep. This is water that's going to provide refreshment in an arid land. This is what the shepherd of the sheep does. You continue on in Psalm 23. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. This God graciously provides for his sheep and he lovingly guides his sheep. He gives renewed strength to keep on going. Do you realize how appropriate that is for every single one of us in this room? He gives us what we need today to keep going. Amidst the uncertainties of our lives, he's given us enough to feed on today that will give us enough to feed on tomorrow, that will give us enough to feed on the next day, all the way through to the very end. This is the great shepherd. This great shepherd graciously provides for his sheep. This great shepherd lovingly guides his sheep. And there's one other point to be made, I believe, in this passage as we look even at the verse that uh, Jim read a little bit ago, we, he will tend his flock like a shepherd, Isaiah 40, 11. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. What do we find here? He faithfully protects his sheep. This amazing shepherd he graciously provides for his sheep. He lovingly guides his sheep. He faithfully protects his sheep. Verses four and five. Yea, though I walk, and we could all quote this if we wanted to. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. Why? Because he is with me. His rod and his staff, they are comforts to me. You prepare a table before me, and where is that table of sustenance sitting? In the presence of mine enemies. 
but it doesn't bother me because the shepherd is with me. This shepherd prepares a table in the presence of enemies. This shepherd comforts with the rod and staff. This shepherd is always with us. He will not abandon us. And so a theme in the scripture is this. The shepherd is not going to all the time extract you from suffering, but he's going to walk with you through suffering. That is the theme of the scriptures. And I think probably every one of us in our lives right now could think about this. There's a type of presentation of the scriptures and of the gospel that says if you come to Jesus, everything in your life is going to be paved all the way through to the end. And I'm going to tell you, that's not this passage. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death with his presence. So when we go through this passage, we clearly find three themes. First of all, the great shepherd graciously provides. Second of all, the great shepherd lovingly guides. Third, the, the, great, the great shepherd faithfully protects. Clearly, the Old Testament picture of the great shepherd is this. Don't worry. Trust me. I've got you. That's the great shepherd. Now, I would be remiss this morning if I didn't spend a little bit of time in these passages called the prophets, the writings. I want us to look a bit at this. What do we find in the writings of the prophets? We find that they take this description of the, the shepherd and they give it feet. They, they give it a tangible look. We're now looking for a person. This starts in the beginning of your Bibles in Genesis 3. But it, and it builds up this anticipation for a person, a rescuer. We know the rescuer as who? Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the Messiah. They are looking for this Messiah. And I love how the Messiah is, is connected here to the shepherd of the sheep, even in the Old Testament, even in the prophets. If you would look with me at just a couple key passages. Actually, I'll just, I'll just read them this morning. You can turn there if you'd like, but I've put them up on the screen. Here, here's a couple passages. Ezekiel. A prophet of God who was writing, who was spending time ministering in the exile, if you think in your biblical history. He was exiled, and he was trusting in the great shepherd. In fact, while he was exiled, his wife died. He's calling out for the great shepherd of the people. And God, through Ezekiel, says this, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. Well, you're thinking, whoa, whoa. How could David be set up? That was a couple hundred years earlier than this. Well, why? Because in 2 Samuel 7, we find a beautiful promise to David that from his kingly line, the Messiah would come, the king. And Ezekiel says the king is also going to be the shepherd. Here's how he says this. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. This is the tangible, physical expression of the shepherd that we're looking for. What are the prophets saying? What are the prophets saying? He's coming. Look for him. Don't forget about him. Ezekiel says this in chapter 37, verse 24. Again, my servant David, not the physical David, but the line of David, shall be king over them. And they shall have, they all shall have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. And what rings out in my mind is, we will follow the shepherd. 
a lot can be said about these passages, but I want to quickly go to another, another prophet, Isaiah. We could probably all quote this or quote portions of this. Isaiah 53 is one of the most messianic passages in all of the Old Testament. And in this passage, talking about Jesus Christ, what does Isaiah say? Well, listen with me. Surely, he's borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. There's that concept of spiritual healing again. Do you see it? Now, how does all of this happen? Verse 6 of Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the shepherd, all of our iniquities. What's the Old Testament prophet saying? He's saying he's coming. The physical expression of the shepherd, he's going to be here. Don't stop looking for him. Even though, Israel, you've been exiled, even though things look ugly right now, the king, the king shepherd, he's coming. Right now, I want us to jump in our minds from Isaiah 53 into the New Testament, and I want to read what Jesus Christ himself says in John chapter 10. Here's what Jesus says to a group of false shepherds. He says this, I am the good shepherd. These people have been looking for the shepherd, the king shepherd, and now Jesus, John chapter 9, traveling into John chapter 10, accusations of Jesus after healing the blind man in chapter 9, leading him out of the synagogue where they thought, the false shepherds thought they kicked him out of the synagogue. Jesus is saying, no, you didn't kick him out. I led him out of the synagogue. I'm leading my sheep. And what does Jesus say to all of these Pharisees? He says, I am the good shepherd. You've been looking for the good shepherd? Here he is. It's me. Jesus is saying this. Seven claims of Jesus through the book of John. And here we are at number four. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd? Now we connect to Isaiah 53. He lays his life down for his sheep. Verse 14 of John 10. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and they know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Okay, quick time out there. What is he saying? I have another sheep that are not of this fold. The fold, if you think in your mind, is think of it as Israel, ethnic Israel. And what is Jesus saying here? I'm going to tell you, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, but they're part of the flock. Who's he talking about? Brothers and sisters in Jesus. He's talking about us. The Gentiles. I have other sheep that are not of this fold, but they will come to me. This is the flock he's talking about. And I am the good shepherd. Verse 16 says this. <coughs> I must bring them also, these other sheep, and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Do you see here an amazing connection with what the prophets said? They're constantly looking for the shepherd. Now Jesus is saying, hey, you've been looking for the shepherd? Here I am. I am the good shepherd. And I give my life to the sheep. 
Isaiah 53 said that the shepherd will give his life for the sheep. I give my life for the sheep. Isaiah 53, Ezekiel say there'll be one shepherd. I am the one shepherd you're looking for. So we go through the New Testament, and especially in John 10, here's what we find. Those themes, those themes found in, 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 in Romans, or sorry, in uh, Psalm 23, here's what we find. Jesus saying, I am the one that provides for the sheep. And you want to see specifically what I provide for the sheep? I give them new life. Where the shepherd in Psalm 23, it's kind of this spiritual concept of the shepherd just provides for his sheep. Now Jesus is saying, you want to see specifically how I'm going to provide for your sheep? I'm going to provide by giving them new life. New life in the shepherd. New life because, as we find here, the shepherd gives his own life for the sheep. This is the beauty of the entire relationship. What does Jesus say? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How did Jesus provide new life for the sheep? How did Jesus provide new life for you and for me? How does he take care of us? This is awesome. He gave his life and took it, took it up again for the great sheep rescue. If you want to put it that way. The great sheep rescue needed something to happen, Isaiah told him. And Jesus says, I'm going to provide everything to make that rescue happen. He gave his life on the cross for the great sheep rescue. He took his life up again in the resurrection. Why? To make the great sheep rescue possible. Well, there's much more that we could say about Jesus giving his life for the life of the sheep. But I want to quickly point out a passage. I have it up on the screen. And you probably remember how there's a passage, a story that Jesus gives about how he left the 99 and went and pursued the one. Do you remember this? It's Luke 15. Well, in that context, who is Jesus pursuing? He's pursuing a sinner. He's He's pursuing one that has rebelled against him. And I want to assure everyone's souls right here today that the great shepherd of the sheep, he has pursued you. He's pursuing you. He's seeking his own, as Jesus said. When we talk about Jesus Christ, this great shepherd, how it's made in a very personal way to every single one of us in this room is, he pursued me. He pursued me as a sinner. And he wanted me. He wanted me so that he could stand there and say, don't worry, trust me. I've got you. I'm the great shepherd of the sheep. So as you go to Psalm 23, you find these themes, right? The shepherd provides for his sheep. Jesus provides new life for his sheep. What else does the shepherd do? The shepherd lovingly guides his sheep. I want us to think on that a minute in in terms of Jesus. But I want us to advance this thought. Not only does the great shepherd lovingly guide us in all of our lives, particularly in the New Testament, he lovingly guides us through suffering. He holds us through suffering. This is the theme of what Jesus is saying as a shepherd. Think with me about John 10. Here's how he can guide us through, she- uh, sh- through the suffering is because he knows us. He's not ignorant of what we're going through. How does he say that? Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. There's an intimate relationship with the shepherd. He's not ignorant to the sufferings we're going through. 
I mean, again, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What's the thought? In this amazingly messed up world we live in with pain and suffering and doubts, the shepherd is walking with us and saying, I'm going to walk with you through this suffering. Why? Because I know you. You are mine and I am yours. The shepherd leads his sheep through suffering. I don't want to spend a lot of time this morning in it, but if I could just reference what Peter says. Think think with me the life of Peter. Okay, if anybody lived on a spiritual roller coaster, it was the apostle Peter, right? Sticking his foot in his mouth all the time. I mean, if you look at passages of scripture where he dynamically claims something of Jesus. You are the son of God. The next couple moments, he's He's, he's actually, uh, you know, correcting Jesus. Jesus, oh, you're not going to do that. And what does Jesus say? Him? He goes from saying, Peter, I've revealed this to you. The Father has revealed this to you. To the very next stage saying, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> this is Peter. He's living on this roller coaster. If anybody knew of grace, it was the one that denied Jesus. This is Peter. Peter writes, and you see a key concept come out in his writings. It is grace through suffering. In other words, he's holding you through sufferings. And I just want to point this out. How does Peter reference the great Christ? Here's how he references him. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25. For to this end you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Verse 22 of 1 Peter 2. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled. He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to his heavenly Father, to, the, to him who judges justly. Verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. What is that yelling out to you right now? Isaiah 53. Here's what Peter says then. Here's how he titles Jesus. Verse 25 of 1 Peter 2. For you are straying like sheep but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. This is beautiful. Through suffering, the suffering that Peter went through, the suffering of the people that Peter was writing to, what is Peter saying? Brothers and sisters in Jesus, you have someone that is holding your soul. It is the great shepherd of your soul. Don't worry. Trust me. I've got you. That's what Peter's saying. If you travel to chapter 5 of 1 Peter, we know these verses well, I'm sure. Here's a verse, verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him, your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Do you know what that verse comes right after? It comes right after this verse. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That verse that says he will care for you, care care for him, put your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That comes right after Jesus is claimed to be the chief shepherd of our souls. I love verse 10. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you 
to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you. He will confirm you. He will strengthen and establish you. Hey, what's the point? Here's the point. In this messed up world we live in, and I don't think there's probably a single one of us in this room that would deny the fact that we live in a messed up world. That messed up world even makes its way into the body of Christ through suffering and trials and anxieties. But in all of this, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a great shepherd who not only provides new life for us, but he lovingly guides us through these things, through this suffering. I want us to keep going through these concepts. So Psalm 23 gives us three concepts. Here's, the, here's what they are. The great shepherd, he, he, he graciously provides. The great shepherd, he lovingly guides. And the great shepherd, he securely protects. Let's see that in the life of Jesus. How does Jesus securely protect his people? I want us to go back to John 10, if you would. John 10, verse 8 and actually it's probably not on your hand, but I want to read this verse. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and they might have it abundantly. What is Jesus saying from the onset here? There's going to be attacks on your spiritual life. But don't worry. Trust me. I've got you. That's what Jesus is saying here. Verse 11, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And what's Jesus saying? But I'm not going to leave you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. What is Jesus saying? In your life, there's going to be attacks. There's going to be spiritual attacks. And I'm going to say there's some of that that some of you in this room and maybe most of you in this room or all of us in this room are going through right now. Attacks that you never thought you would go through. Even some of them spiritual attacks or, or physical attacks or emotional attacks or financial attacks that you're going through right now. And I'm here to tell you that you have a great shepherd who hasn't abandoned you. Sometimes in our minds we think of these green pastures, right? The flowing alfalfa. And we think, how could anything be attacked in that? But I'm going to tell you, there's wolves. <laughs> in fact, I had to include this today. Uh, anybody here from Oklahoma? Okay, right back here. I'm, I'm hoping and praying to God you're not from Spencer, Oklahoma. Okay, we're safe. All right. There was a place in Spencer, Oklahoma, I came up on this this week, that it's called Green Pastures Elementary. I mean, you can Google them and find out. And I was ta- thinking about the green pastures concept, and I found this concept of green pastures, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I wonder, you know, you wonder what the school mascot is. You're thinking like a, a, she- uh, like a, a shepherd's staff, maybe, or a pretty little lamb. Here's the mascot. <laughs> it's a mountain lion. <laughs> I'm like, wow, talk about mixed metaphors here. We've got green pastures and this cougar about to attack everybody. But then as I went through and I thought through these pastures, I think, no, 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 no. That's completely appropriate. Because in the green pastures, there are adversaries. We're talking about the wolves that we talk about here. 
It's not absent. When we go through the, to the green pastures and God has given us satisfaction, one tuft of grass at a time, he's bringing satisfaction in our lives. At the same time, he's guiding us to the next feeding station. He's also protecting us from this critter. He's protecting us from harm. I mean, back in John 10, how does he say it? Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Even an ugly mountain lion like this, even a wolf in sheep's clothing, which we read about in scriptures, they're not going to get you. Why? Because I've got you. I give to them eternal life, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. God, the, God the Son, Jesus Christ, he's got us. He protects us. And how long does he protect us? He says clearly, I give them eternal life. He's got us to the very end. Verse 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And then a very powerful statement by Jesus Christ. He says, I and my Father are one. So we've been looking for this one shepherd, right? This one shepherd talked about by the prophets, anticipated by the writings of David in Psalm 23, the great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now we're looking for one shepherd in the prophets. Now Jesus is clearly saying, I am the one shepherd. Don't stop. Uh, don't look any further. Look to me. I am the great shepherd of the sheep. Now today when we go through passages like this and overwhelm ourselves with this thought, God graciously provides his sheep with new life. God lovingly guides his sheep through their suffering. Christ, the great shepherd, securely protects his sheep from eternal destruction. I want to ask, so what? <laughs> how, how is that going to make any difference in our lives this week? Okay, thank you for those words, Pastor Andrew. All, all really cool, you know. You got to see the Psalm 23 and John 10 and the prophets. How is that going to make any difference in my life this week? And I want to run back to this theme God's people must wholeheartedly trust the complete care of the one who's got them, the shepherd. Let's kind of advance that thought a little bit in this so what by asking these questions. First of all, this. Let's see if I can advance this. Have you responded to the voice of the great shepherd? I want to be very clear in asking that. You know, we might take for granted that every single person sitting in this room has come to Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. But I want to say, I know there's some in this room that have probably struggled with this for years. And I want to ask this question. Will you respond to the great shepherd? The shepherd that's pursuing you right now. I'm going to tell you, it's no accident that you're here today. Maybe you've thought, through these, you've thought through these things and you have fought through these things in your mind. And saying, is that God worthy to be trusted? I'm going to tell you wholeheartedly, this God, the great shepherd of your soul, he's fully, com uh, he's fully aware of your problems and he's fully competent to help you. He will rescue you. Today I have this question. If you're struggling through this, will you respond in faith to the one that's drawing you? The great shepherd of your soul that is saying, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I'm going to give you rest Will you respond to the great shepherd this morning? There's some in your lives that have responded by faith. 
You've given your life to Jesus Christ. He is your Lord. I want to ask you this. Will you supremely love the great shepherd? So, so there's a lot of things in our lives that press against this thought of the great shepherd. There's a lot of loves that make their way into our lives that are constantly causing us to take our gaze off of the great shepherd and to put them on other things. Rather than gazing at the great shepherd and glancing at all of our suffering, we end up gazing at all of our suffering and occasionally glancing up to the shepherd. I'm going to ask you this. Is the great shepherd the adoration of your soul? Do you love the shepherd? As you go through Psalm 23 and John 10, it's clear that there's a dynamic relationship of the shepherd and the sheep. Well, do you adore the shepherd? I want to kind of add on to this as well. There's this concept through Scripture that God the shepherd through Christ has instituted the church and has brought in under shepherds. These are pastors, elders in the Scriptures. And I'm going to tell you the temptation of our hearts is to attach ourselves to an under-shepherd and say, I can't grow unless I have this under-shepherd with me. And and what happens to our gaze? Instead of gazing at the great shepherd, we end up gazing at the under-shepherd. I'm going to tell you, constantly in the scriptures, it's like, don't gaze down here. Gaze at the great shepherd. Sure, show loyalty to under-shepherds and show love. But where does our loyalty rest? It is in the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. I know there's been a lot of transition here the last 15, 20 years, particularly this last year. There's a lot of uncertainties. And sometimes when we go through these uncertainties and and things kind of get shaken up a little bit, we kind of feel like we're living in a snow globe when it comes to the body of Christ. Maybe you feel that way. I'm going to encourage and challenge all of us today is this. Don't stop adoring the chief shepherd, the one who can look at us and say, don't worry Trust me, I've got you. I want to ask two, two other quick questions and we'll wrap this up. Here's a question. Will you intently listen to the chief shepherd, the great shepherd of your soul? How do you listen to the shepherd? I'm going to tell you how you listen to the shepherd is by that precious book you have in your lap right now. This is the shepherd's guidebook. Are you listening to the shepherd? I mean, we got teens here. One of the hardest things in life, especially for teens. I'm going to tell you, all of us. But there's so many different things, especially that blessed technology, right? It's so easy to pick up the phone or the, the, you know, whatever device you've got and to saturate yourself in there. And I look at the chief shepherd saying, whoa, hey, look at me. I'm beautiful. I can help you through that struggle you're going through right now. Same for any of us in this room. Will you listen to the chief shepherd? And the next question goes right along with this. Here's the question. Will you faithfully obey the chief shepherd? Clearly Jesus says this. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they what? They follow me. This goes right back to those passages we, left, we read in the Old Testament where the sheep obey the shepherd. My question is this. Maybe you read clearly in the scriptures right now how you should live your life. The shepherd's telling you this is what you need to do. I'm going to ask you this, as I, same as I ask myself. Am I truly following the shepherd or am I trying to go my own way? Are you obeying the shepherd? I love as we go through this concept of the shepherd. There's no age-specific sheep. Do you notice that? Yeah, it says he carries his young ones in his arms. There's no age-specific sheep. There's no color-specific sheep or size-specific sheep. 
He loves the sheep, and he's spending time with all of them. And I want to assure all of us in this room, doesn't matter what age you are, you have a great shepherd. Doesn't matter what background you have, you have a great shepherd, and he's got you. I want to make one last application here this morning, and this is more of a pastoral application. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up primarily is because of the fact that I'm here as a preaching elder candidate. And I want to read a passage to you that God has the last 15 years, well, 10 years of my life, gripped me so strongly with this passage in regards to my responsibility as an elder. Verse 1, so I exhort the elders among you, I'm in 1 Peter 5, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Verse 3, not domineering over those, who you're, those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd comes, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And I want to assure everyone in this room, what is my call my call as a pastor, my call as a preaching elder, here it is, to sacrificially love his sheep, to sacrificially lead his feet, sheep, to sacrificially teach and live for his sheep. It's not all about me. And I would think every, spending time with the elders here at this church, it's not all about the elders and shepherds at this church. Our goal is to lead you in a dynamically, dynamic way to the sheep the chief shepherd, the one who's looking down on us and saying, don't worry, trust me, I've got you. So God, that's the prayer of our hearts this morning. You're the great shepherd of the sheep. God, you graciously provide, you lovingly guide, and you faithfully protect. And I pray, God, today that we would be overwhelmed with those thoughts. You're so good to us, Father.